Uh, man, thanks so much for the opportunity to be with you all again. Um, this is you know, not the first time that I've been with you all. Well, that was really exciting to see with the kids and just to see you all and be with you again. And uh, I don't feel like a guest pastor. I don't, I don't feel like that whenever I'm with you. I feel uh, just uh, as good friends with Rob and now getting to know Pastor Derek uh, and uh, just feels like part of the family. So I appreciate the opportunity to be with you uh, here tonight. And I know that I stand in the way between you and a back-to-school bash, so <clears throat> I, I know what the expectations are, okay? There was a time whenever I was not a preacher and not a pastor, whenever there was something exciting and you just had to get through whoever was up on that stage, all right? Now listen, I just want to say this, the passage that we are in tonight, man, it is awesome. It is such an exciting passage, so... I'll make a deal with you, all right? You lock in with me, and I will lock in with you, and we'll be out of here on time, all right? So, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Matthew. That's where we're going to be camping out this evening in Matthew chapter 15. And I believe you guys have been going through a sermon series uh, throughout the book of Matthew. We've actually been going through John at Creekside. And um, this is what the Word says in Matthew 15. If you're there, say, I'm there. All right, cool. All three of us will go together. Matthew 15, starting in verse 21. I said, you got to keep up with me, right? So, and Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, for my daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples, they came and they begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. And he answered, I was only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and she knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. Amen. There's nothing worse than having a sick child. You ever had a sick child before? There's absolutely nothing worse than your child waking up with a fever or your child uh, throwing up or whatever it is and you, being the parent, being absolutely helpless. There is nothing worse than that feeling. My wife, um, she feels it a lot more than I do whenever we have a sick kid and you know, she's made it her habit that anytime any of them wakes up or, you know, they look like they don't feel good, immediately she's on it. And she has become so, um, so well known in our pediatrician's office that she has the head nurse assistant, she has her on messenger. And if anything pops up at any moment, at any time of the day, she is jumping on messenger so that she can message that nurse and of course she's really quick to respond it's actually this thing in our church this is running joke 
that so many of the kids and so many of the moms all see the same pediatrician that I tell them oftentimes that it's borderline idolatry. The relationship that they have with this pediatrician, they worship the ground that this man walks on. But we all know that feeling. Now, we would rather take the pain away from our children Take it away, and so we can sympathize, even if it's not our own kid, we can sympathize when somebody else has a sick kid. We feel that pain, we wish that we could do something about it, but in those moments we are absolutely helpless. This lady is following after Jesus. The Bible tells us that she is a Canaanite woman and she is crying out after Jesus. And you can gather this imagery that she is chasing after Jesus and a Obviously, she has become a little bit of a nuisance because the disciples are telling Jesus, telling this woman to go away. Please stop following after us. Stop chasing us down. Jesus, send her away. This woman has something even worse than a sick kid. She has a child that's being oppressed by a demon. Which basically means that a demonic force is just chipping away at her. We don't see that she is possessed, but just oppressed. Meaning, this demonic figure is just chipping away at her and knitting away at her life. As a matter of fact, Mark's Gospel and commentators believe that this is a young girl. That this is a young child. So you can sense this mother's desperation. You can sense... That as she hears about Jesus passing through, Jesus just so happens to be passing through Tyre and Sidon, a place that He does not often visit. Perhaps she has heard about Jesus and she knows that He's been doing many other miracles around in the region. Perhaps, maybe, just maybe, He will see fit to do just one more miracle. But there's only one problem. The Bible tells us that she is a Canaanite woman. And if you know much about the Old Testament, you know that 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 name, Canaan, ought to stand out. You see, the Canaanites were the long rivals, the ancient rivals of the Israelite people. You can see in Exodus, it tells the story and the continual story all throughout the Old Testament of Israel constantly being at war, constantly battling The Canaanites. As a matter of fact, there came a point in time after the Israelites were led out of slavery, led out of uh, the Exodus, they were led out of Egypt, and God told them, this is the land that I have for you, the land that is flowing with milk and honey. I will give you this land. Just go and take the land. And rather than taking God at His word, rather than believing in God, Moses sent 12 spies into the land of Canaan so that they could scout out the land. They wanted to do a little scouting report. Send out our best men. We'll see what we can do. They wanted to see it rather than leading out in faith in what God had just told them. So, of course, as the scouts go out and they look at the land of Canaan, they see that there are some big boys in the land of Canaan. right? It's like your high school football team going to scout out the team that they're playing next week. Man, they're really big. And they came back with this report. They said, man, the land of Canaan is filled with these giants. These are big warriors. They're tall and they're strong. We don't think that we can do it. They rebelled against the word of the Lord. The task is too great. 
And so God sent His people, because of their lack of faith in Him, God sent His people, the Israelites, to wander in the wilderness until every last one from that rebellious generation had passed away. Every last one of them was gone. And then, of course, the story picks back up in Joshua. Joshua chapter 1, Moses is passed on. Joshua, the new leader, he's ready to enter into the land of Canaan. And, of course, we get that strong verse that you had on your coffee mug this morning. Joshua 1.9, this is what the Lord tells His people. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. God was telling the Israelites, His people, that I am with you and there is nothing that your enemies can do to stop me and to stop us. You will have absolute victory over your enemies. And of course, we know the story that the Israelites did overtake the land of Canaan. That's where this lady is from. (laughs) She's got it stacked against her, you might say. She is from the ancient enemy tribe of the people of Israel. She's from the wrong people group. And Jesus, and this time in His ministry, He's come with priority. He's come with purpose. He has come with urgency. And the urgency is to proclaim the message of the kingdom to His people, the Israelites. That is who has first priority. He has come to seek and to save the lost house of Israel, and brothers and sisters, she is not that. But then again, her daughter is being oppressed and tormented by a demon. And in a last-ditch effort, she reaches out to Jesus. She says, will you just save my daughter? And the good news here is that the Lord has mercy on her. Amen? And the reason that the Lord has mercy on this lady is because He is not just the Lord over Israel, but because He is the Lord over all the nations. And yes, His Lordship even extends to the Canaanite people. As she cries out here in this moment, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. She is taking that leap of faith even though she is not an Israelite herself, even though she is not a part of the Jewish tribe herself, she is taking this this word about Jesus that has gone around town and saying that I basically believe in You, O Lord, You are the Son of David, and I believe that You are who You say You are. But He came with priority to the Israelites, the chosen people, those who had anticipated the Messiah for thousands of years but it is a good thing that God's relationship with Israel was always one that was meant to be a conduit for all the nations for all the tribes for all the peoples this is exactly what he told Abram whenever he founded the nation of Israel in Genesis chapter 12 listen to what God told Abraham father Abraham if you know the old school song This is what he told him. He says, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation. 
And I will bless you and I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So from the very moment that God establishes the nation of Israel, what He is telling them is that they are not to be a pool of God's grace and a pool of God's glory, but they were always meant to be a conduit of God's glory to all of the nations. That as God had a relationship with Israel, that relationship would then blossom into all nations all over the face of the earth. Look at how good our God is. You ought to worship this same God. Hey, we just whipped y'all in that battle. Y'all are bigger than us. Y'all are stronger than us. But it was God who was with us who allowed us to win this battle. Why don't you worship the same God that we worship? This is what it was meant to be. God's plan for Israel was meant to be an apologetic for the rest of the world. That the nations would see Israel's God and desire to know Him. That they would all desire to turn and repent. But we all know, Israel dropped the ball. They didn't worship and serve the Lord as they were intended to. Therefore, the nations did not turn to worship God as they were intended to do. You fast forward here to Matthew chapter 15. The Israelites are still disappointing. Many of them are not turning to believe in Jesus as the Messiah. Many are, but many aren't. But here in this moment, Jesus shows grace to the Canaanite woman, even though it was not time for the Gentiles. He tells her in this moment, it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs, but really what he's meaning there is that it's not time to take priority from ministry that is to be given to the Israelites and to give it to the Gentiles, but in this moment he has grace. Incredible grace. Because you see, Christ's message of salvation is not just for the right people group, but it is for those who believe in His name. He tells her, great is your faith. So we know, Genesis chapter 12, that God intended to bless all the nations. That every nation, that every tribe, every tongue, every ethnicity was meant to be included in God's plan. Here in this moment, this is a foreshadowing of what God would later do by extending His ministry to every tribe and to every tongue. And we know this, that in the end, that in the end, as we gather around God's throne, it's going to be every tribe, every tongue, every ethnicity represented around God's throne. All of that, what Jesus is doing here is laying the groundwork, putting bricks in place Because He is Lord over all the nations. Brothers and sisters, if there's anything that we can learn from Jesus in this moment, we can model His compassion for the outsider. This lady was an outsider. The deck was stacked against her, you might say. She was an outsider, and even more than that, she was a Canaanite woman who was from the tribe who hated the Israelites and who the Israelites also hated. 
The deck was stacked against her, yet in this moment, Jesus allows room for an outsider. And I'm just going to be honest with you. In the day and age in which we live, it is incredibly easy for us to lose sight of the outsider. It is far difficult, you might say, difficult for us to display kingdom priority across ethnic and racial divide. In a day like today, and mainly next year as an election year, we're told a lot about who we need to protect ourselves against. We're told a lot about which racial groups we need to watch out for, which racial groups are causing trouble. We are told by politicians and by media which groups that we ought to protect our kids from. But brothers and sisters, make no mistake about it, this is not the precedent that Jesus set. Even though this lady was from an opposite tribe, from an enemy tribe, Jesus had grace for her and He had room for an outsider. Jesus does not set a precedent for us or tell us who to protect ourselves against, who we need to shelter ourselves and our family out of harm's way. But Jesus models for us to receive them and to have them in our circles. Where else did she have to go? Where else could she have gone? Was she going to take her daughter who was being oppressed by a demon to the pediatrician down the street? There was no such thing. Was she going to take her daughter who was oppressed by a demon to the religious elite so that they could shove it down her face and her throat even more? So that they could heap more shame upon her? Jesus was the only place that this woman could turn. The only person that Jesus that this woman could go to was Jesus. For many of us, we know of people who have nowhere else to go. Nowhere but for us to take them to than Jesus. Our message of hope may be the only message of hope they will ever hear. But if we box them out, They may never have that message of hope that they need. If Jesus had boxed her out, where else would she have turned to? But you see, that's not the only impressive thing that happens here in this passage. It's not just that Jesus had compassion for this woman. Jesus could have had compassion and turned her away, but Jesus had compassion and fulfilled her request. Look at what He says. It says, from a, from a moment's notice in verse 28, Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. I mean, that's pretty powerful. Right? Like That's some power. Why? Because Jesus is not just Lord over all the nations, but because Jesus is Lord over all the spiritual realm. He is Lord over all the nations, but He is also Lord over the things that we cannot see. Those rulers and those principalities in the higher places, yeah, they fall under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And in this moment, whenever Jesus asks for this demon to be, uh, leave this girl alone, to leave the oppressed behind, instantly, instantly this little girl is healed from this demonic oppression. It would be one thing if Jesus was kind to the woman and received her, but He actually had the power to fulfill her request. I have a friend of mine. He's actually a mentor 
An incredible mentor of mine, somebody that I respect, especially in the faith. For 20 years, he and his family, they were missionaries in Southeast Asia. And Southeast Asia is a very different place from where we live here in Somerville, Goose Creek, Charleston. A lot of crazy things happen over in that part of the world. And I have, let me just preface with this, I have the utmost respect for him. And he was one of the greatest mentors and Bible knowledge, knowledgeable people that I've ever met. And he tells a story about one of their experiences in Southeast Asia. They were in a very remote village. Some of the very first people to ever bring the message of the gospel to this village. Some of the very first times that these folks had ever heard the name of Jesus. Many converted, became believers in Christ. But as you can imagine, whenever the message of Christ is proclaimed, there is immediate opposition. And it wasn't long after they started their ministry, after they started to see some fruit there in this village, some of the, the people of the town, they started to rise up against him and his family. So much so that they started to kind of chastise them in these big groups of people and they would follow them wherever they went. And the way that my friend tells the story is that he fully believes that these folks were oppressed by demons, demoniacs you might say. In one particular instance, they wanted to strike them all down with fear, and so they were crowded around them. They chased them back to their house, and of course they stood outside of their house for a couple days, and they didn't want them to leave. And the way that my friend tells the story, my mentor tells the story, is that he had his wife and his kids, had them in another room, he took one of the kids' room, took nothing but water, and for... Three days, he took nothing but water. He prayed and he fasted over his own safety and for the safety of his children. And he says that in that strength, on the third day, he walks out with his family. And he's walking to the car so that he can get them out of the situation. And it wasn't his own strength. He's not a big guy. He's not a very fast guy, to say the least. But at the very mention of the name of Jesus, every one of these demoniacs shrinked back. And it was as if he would just enact the name of Jesus. And in the power of that name, they were all afraid and they hid themselves away from this missionary brother. Now, listen, I just want to say this that we live in a Western context. And a lot of times, our theology is shaped more by Western ideology than it is by the Bible. I believe my brother and I believe the Word of God. We like to admit sometimes to demonic activity, but in our minds sometimes we deny the existence of, of demons. And I think many of the times the reason that we do that is because we're afraid. Just being honest, we're afraid of that. But oh, brothers and sisters... Lord Jesus is Lord over all. He is Lord over all things in the spiritual realm. He is Lord over all the demons and their boss. They have no power over Him. And He shows His power by being able to heal this little girl from a remote location. Like He's not even on site, right? Like, if you had that kind of power, wouldn't, wouldn't you enact it? Like, wouldn't you show 
just how powerful you are. He's not even in the same room with the girl, but from a few blocks down the street, he's like, yeah, she's healed. And I'm sure that she goes back to see her daughter fully recovered, no longer oppressed by this demon. I don't know if you guys are up on technology, but I've got a few apps on my phone that are great. Like I, I like the Amazon app, and I like the, uh, I, I like the Amazon Echo app, and I have particularly Alexa on my phone. You got to be careful whenever you say that. Even like Alexa might turn on anywhere in this room or something like that. You just say her name, and she appears. But sometimes, whenever I'm downstairs and I forget that I've I've left a light on upstairs, or even tonight, as I stand here right now, I can look and see every single light that's turned on in my house. At our church building, I can look and see if our alarm is set. I can set it from my phone. I can look and see what the thermostat says. And just at the click of a button, I can change all those things in my house or at our building. Now that, my friends, is power that our grandparents would have never understood. They wouldn't even understand what you mean by app, right? Much less that you can pull out a phone and turn on a light switch from many, many miles away. They would have killed for that. That is the type of power that Jesus has over the demonic. That just at the snap of His fingers, at the sound of His voice, the demonic fleed this little girl. But oh, brothers and sisters, He is... In this moment, he is foreshadowing how he would later defeat all his enemies. Demons and their leader. Because he is Lord over the nations, but he is also Lord over all the spiritual realm. And if he is Lord over all the nations in the spiritual realm, then guess what? He is Lord over all. He's Lord over all. Colossians 1, 15-20 says this, says He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. And He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything He might be preeminent. For in Him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through Him to reconcile all things to Himself, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. And brothers and sisters, if He is this same guy, this same Jesus who had compassion for the Canaanite woman and who healed the demonic girl, if this Jesus is Lord over all, is there anything in your life that you cannot trust Him with? Is there anything that you can't trust Him with? Can you not trust Him with your job circumstance? Can you not trust Him with your marital relationship? Can you not trust Him with your life? Is there anything under the sun in which we cannot trust Lord Jesus with? 
If He is Lord over all, then He deserves our Lordship. He deserves for us to place everything at His feet. But maybe tonight, maybe tonight you're like the young girl. And I'm not saying you're being impressed by a demon, all right? I'm not saying that at all. I don't know, maybe you are. We don't know each other that well. But maybe you need rescuing. Maybe you need to be rescued from a certain circumstance, and and maybe it just feels like nothing ever goes your way. Maybe it feels like your life is like Jenga and you, you get everything sort of built up, but just one little thing and everything comes crashing down. Maybe tonight you've got some trouble of your own. Maybe it's a spiritual issue. Maybe it is something that just keeps nagging at you. And you want to turn it over and you want to be released from it. Maybe you are like this little girl. Is there anything that you can't trust Him with tonight? Is there anything that He cannot have you released from almost in an instant? Come to Jesus. Lay it at His feet. Trust in Him. Cling to Him. Maybe you're not like the young girl, but maybe you're like the young girl's mother. And Maybe it's not you that needs to be released from something, but it, maybe it's somebody that you know. Maybe it's somebody that you care deeply about. Somebody that's been on your heart. Somebody that's been on your mind. Maybe it's a child. Maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's a friend, a neighbor, a co-worker, whomever it might be. And your role in this scenario is to bring them to Christ. Even though they never met Jesus and this young girl's mother, she knew that He could do it. She hung around Jesus and she had the mindset that she would not be denied. She didn't know whether or not Jesus was going to respond to her request, but she knew that she was going to be at Jesus' feet no matter how long it took. He didn't have to answer it right away, but He was going to hear her request. And our same God tells us to petition Him that way. To come to Him, to pray without ceasing. To come before the Lord early and to come before the Lord often. To cry out to Him, to bother Him with our prayers. It's not really a bother. She hung around Jesus and absolutely would not be denied. If you've got somebody in your life that's like that, that you care deeply about and you just see things that are happening in their lives, don't let up. Don't give up. Don't quit. Bring it before the Lord. Make your petition heard. Because this same Jesus is still acting on our behalf. He is Lord over all, and He is powerful enough to handle any of our issues. This evening, maybe the call is simple. Maybe you just need to spend some time with the Lord in response and hand some things over to Him. Maybe you just need to go before the Lord and you need to ask Him on behalf of somebody else that's in your life that you care deeply about. Whatever it is, you can bring it before the Lord and know that your prayer, your cry is heard by Him. And you can know and take in good faith that the Lord will respond according to the ways that are best for you and best for His glory. Would you guys pray with me?
Father, we come to You this evening. And Lord, we are thankful for our King Jesus who is Lord over all the nations, who is Lord over all the spiritual realm, and Lord who is over all. God, if You are over all of creation, both physical and spiritual, Lord, then we can trust You with our very lives. We can trust You with the day-to-day. We can trust You with the big things and the small things. Lord, we can know and take Your Word for heart whenever You tell us that You do all things for our good and for Your glory. God, we thank You that we have a God who did not turn this Canaanite woman away. Lord, we have a God who has plenty of space for the outsider. Lord, every one of us at one point in time in our lives, we have been that outsider and You have made room for us. And God, we just say thank You. We want to worship You. And we want to again, Lord, tell You that we trust You with everything that we have. For You are good and You do good always. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.